You're listening to the Purpose and Vision Mastery Podcast with Christine Rita Abankwa. Welcome back to another episode of Purpose and Vision Mastery. Today we are speaking to a lady called Martha Ninongelwa. She is based in Riobath, Namibia, and she is a teacher, she is an author, and she is a woman of God. Martha, please tell us a bit about yourself. What would you like us to know? Um, okay, like Kristen said, I'm Martha Ninongelwa. I am a mother of three, a very passionate teacher, and uh, indeed, I'm a woman of God. I've given my life to Christ uh, 2007 and uh, since then I've been passionate about um, living a godly purpose and at the moment my husband and I are in ministry at the Potter's House Christian Fellowship Churches. Martha thank you so much once again for joining us. We have a lot to talk about today. You are an author your book is called Every Parent is a Prophet. What a title. Martha, what prompted you to write this book and why did you choose such a title? Yeah, um, the book was actually prompted from my real life story um, when I actually saw the ripple effect of toxic parenting and childhood uh, trauma. And um, I was actually not even aware of the effect, the wounds that I was carrying uh, from childhood trauma until I realized that I was actually busy transferring them to my children when I became a parent. So I actually got married. I began to have children without realizing that I was carrying this, you know, pain, childhood wounds that they were never you know actually healed that were never spoken about and um, I came to a realization that I was busy transferring them to my children and it is mostly using the power of words every parent is a prophet is basically um, coming from a concept or a biblical realization of proverb 18 uh that talks about the power in the tongue, you know, how life and death is in the tongue. And we actually bear the fruits of the words that we speak because even the scientists have discovered that words do not die. They continue to linger around, you know, for generations. They continue to, to linger, waiting for the right opportunity to manifest in the lives of those, uh, the words were spoken about. So that is how basically uh, the title comes about. And I saw the need for us to, to open up to a subject that is very difficult to talk about in an African context, which is toxic parenting and uh, the, the, the effect it has to generations if no one's actually stand up to halt it, to stop it. Martha, you talk about um, how every parent is a prophet, and we know that prophecy and 
prophets speak of what is to come. You know, they're very future oriented. And this is why they have always held such an important position in the Christian faith. So can you just unpack for us this relationship between parenting and childhood trauma? And where does prophecy come in all of this? Biblically, the the Bible says the children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward from the Lord. So it's, it's basically we are, I can, I can basically say we are stewards of what is not ours. You know, children, they come through us, but they are not ours. So basically, you know, God give us these children as a product in our hands. You know, they come, you know, so innocent and we have the chance to mold them. We have the chance to train them. We have the chance to parent them. But then in our hands, we have two choices. And I'm, I'm reminded of Joshua. You know, he said, you have, you have life and death in your hands, but I want you to choose life. And that is basically the, the concept because we have to choose either God's message or the devil's message when it comes to raising our children, when it comes to speaking on our children. Because prophecy is basically an alteration, a declaration, a proclamation. But now what proclamation are you making to your children? Right from the womb. When you find out that you are pregnant, what do you say? Are you regretting? Uh, is this child a nuisance? Is this child... Uh, came to ruin your life are you happy or are you excited to look forward to this child are you prepared to say that you know what you are welcome while you are in my mother's uh, in my womb you are welcome we are looking forward to have you we as your parent are ready to provide for you you know and we are going to be there so it starts from conception it starts from the womb then it starts also when the child arrives, okay? And, and that's why it, it involves also other aspects on, on, on parenting, being prepared emotionally to receive that child and also making sure that the child is coming in an environment where they support. Because if there is no support even to the mother who is having a newborn, it, it can be so easy for, for this mother to be ex exhausted and end up casting the identity of this child. Uh, a spoken word on the children, you know, is real. Because if you follow the life of Reuben, the Bible says, the father said, you are going to be, you know, unstable like waters. You know, nothing you are going to do will prosper. And, and if you follow the, the life of Reuben, exactly the words that the, the father spoke, you know, is, is basically what was reaping. Until Moses actually came to, to break the curse, realized the curse that was upon this child and actually spoke a blessing. Let Reuben live and not die. So it, it took a man of God to realize that this child was operating under a curse 
if you trace the family of Jacob, this is a family of Abraham. All the nations of the earth, they are blessed because of Abraham, you know? But that does not mean everybody in Abraham's family was blessed. Everybody in Abraham's family was not reaping the fruits of the blessings of the grandfather, you know? Because the words of the father, the words of the mother, the actions, how we choose to parent our children, even the setup, the way we choose the setup of our family, it has an effect on our children. Because I can say that much of the things that we went through was because we were in an extended family, you know, we were staying with in-laws and in one house and most of even the projection that our parents were projecting on us is because of the things that they were subjected like my mother for example is because of the things she was subjected to by the in-laws it made her you know bitter it made her sour at life it made her angry and there's no there was no better words that could really come out of her, her mouth you know, to talk about her children. So when you talk about parenting, we also have to pay attention to the setup. How do we, what type of a setup are we planning for our family? Because a setup in itself, in most African family, is already toxic. The setup that we choose our children to be, you find a child that is being raised by an ex-girlfriend you know i was my father was in a relationship with this lady but now they are no longer together so he had to move out but he left me here now i want you to think about a child that is left with an ex-girlfriend what type of prophecy do you think or what type of blessing do you think this girlfriend is going to be talking to this child Bless the soul of those few that will speak a blessing, that will declare the message of God over this child. But definitely not all of them. And these children, they have to live with the aftermath of whatever comes out of this setup. This is so heavy, Martha. <laughs> this is so mm -hmm. heavy, especially, you know, the question that you've asked at the end is so powerful that what prophecy do you think this person is going to speak into the life of a child and you've mentioned quite uh you know an extreme example of being raised by an ex-girlfriend but you have people raised by step parents aunts and uncles and even biological parents who are so wounded you know you cannot give what you don't have and and this is why we Thanks. want to have empathy you know we want to have empathy for ourselves and for those who raised us as well and before we continue Martha I just want us to look at the definition of the word prophecy because everything that you are speaking to actually brings this definition to mind you know prophecy is a prediction of what will happen in the future right? Mm, so yes. when you're raising your children, and this is a question that we need to ask parents, when you raise your child, are you thinking about the end result 
of what you want this person to be. Because I think one of the most toxic aspects of um, many of our cultures is that when you're raising children and teenagers, you often don't see, not everybody, but a lot of people do not picture this person at age 30 or 40. You know, I always say that it's the the body that ages, not the soul. That little Mm. Martha at six years old will one day be 37 years old, 40 years old. Yes. So Mm. is this what you want this adult to be? Mm. And another thing that we forget is that the relationships that you have with your adult children as an elder Mm. are formed at the very youngest age. And, you know, you wonder why you have so many grown men and women who the only relationship they have with their parents is of duty right yes the obligation that okay this is my my parent uh you you know uh, it's so interesting what you are saying now one 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 lady said after reading my book he said you know what it's so amazing i can be in a car with my father we can drive to you know she mentioned a town so I can say that is a 30 kilometer drive. So you drive 30 kilometer to go to this town, 30 kilometer to come down. You are, you are going for shopping, but everyone is just quiet on their seat, you know, and this is a father daughter relationship. And she's saying, you know what? And it's like, there's nothing to talk about. And this is a person in her thirties, you know, but she has nothing to talk about with the father. But the fact that she's working, yes, I'm, I'm taking my father for shopping. I'm working. But there is no functional relationship. There is no connection beyond material provision. And you know, there are two sides to the coin because you have people who've been raised in ways where communication is not you know, such a big deal, but they have a lot mm. of love for each other but no deep Mm. connection. And then you have people who have nothing to say to each other because of unprocessed trauma. Martha, in your experience, um, you know, especially interacting with people who give you feedback about your book, what can you tell us about how some of these childhood traumas affect us in relationships? Because you've given a very good example of somebody feeling disconnected from her father. I also know quite a few men who were disconnected from their mothers and they're very dysfunctional um, when it comes to dealing with their daughters and their wives. Yeah, so basically it, it, it really affects your relationship, the way your, your childhood upbringing, the traumas that you have, um, because you, you are going to basically project like, in, in, in my personal life, for example, when I got married, I know that my husband had to put up with so much of, you know, switching off, you know, I will not, I will not communicate how I feel. He will maybe just see the tears rolling, you know, or I will just go in a silent mode because that is what I know. You are not allowed to express how you feel, you know. You, you must suppress your feelings. Um, it's not okay to, to say no, uh, this, this, this and that, but I also felt this and that. You, you had no you know, opinion, basically. 
So, and when you get in a relationship, it's like you think that this man will so also treat you the same. He is not, he, he will not allow you to, to share your feelings. He will not allow you to say how you feel and share your opinion. Even in the relationship with, of our parents, then we, we take those things into our relationship because we saw our parents tolerate this, you know, it was okay to be abused. It was okay, you know, for a man to come, you know, the next day. And then we, we kind of like program ourselves that, you know what, this is normal. And we actually make it, you know, like we make it plural. All men are, the, are like that. You will not find a man that is faithful to you. You know, you will, not, you will never find a man that is faithful to one woman. So when you actually get into relationship, you are already programmed that, you know what, you are going to put up with cheating because that is what you know. And society and your upbringing has made it normal. So it's kind of like you have convinced yourself that it is okay for a man to cheat. It's okay for a man to be in your house. Sometimes you even find women, they are the one paying apartments, but this man, you know, will come in whenever they they feel like, you know, sometimes they will even bring another woman in that same apartment that you are paying, you know, but you will find that this lady is stuck in that relationship because that is all that she knows. And that is all that is programmed into her. She's just repeating, you know, the circles of her upbringing, you know? So your, your childhood, all the things that you saw your parents tolerate, for example, all the things that you are projected, you actually have to, you, you eventually carry them into your new relationships. And unless you really come to a realization that, you know what, no, life is not supposed to be like this. You know, abuse is not okay. Cheating is not okay. You know, so unless you find a new perspective, you are going to continue to, to live with that. And actually you are transferring to the next generation without even knowing that what you are transferring is, is not a good thing. So you, you, you need that awakening to realize that, you know what? No, all along, I actually thought that this is normal, but it's actually not normal in a lot of our cultures we are not taught to pay attention to emotions you know emotions are for funerals really you know if you mm. don't if you're not grieving if you're not in mourning why are you so emotional and you know children don't know what to do with their feelings and um, mm. it just makes me think back to how as a child I experienced the, the emotion that I saw being experienced easily was anger right mm -hmm. and being vulnerable you would only express through anger you know and I, I saw this happening a lot and you know the way of coping being to explode and then literally door slam which is you know you cut someone out of your life you withdraw you stop speaking to them but then mm -hmm. there are no consequences of your actions so you can still get back into that person's life. You know, these are toxic things that you observe as a child because people will say, oh, he's a man. He's just like that. He's angry. Yeah. You know, he'll calm down. 
And then from the woman's side, you see no boundaries. Mm. She has no boundaries, mm. right? She accepts mm. and tolerates everything. So what happened to me was I literally grew up with both of these things that I wouldn't share mm. how I was truly feeling. I would wait until things would boil over and then explode and stop speaking to this person. And then if they would come back to try and make up with me then we would go on like nothing happened but nothing also, happened yeah yes. no apology no new no apology. Yeah. yeah no accountability mm. and then i also mm -hmm. learned that boundaries were not important because there's a reward for self-sacrificing putting yourself last um you'll be rejected if you stand up for yourself and say you don't want certain things and these things follow you into your relationships as well and you can't stand up for yourself because you're afraid of being rejected, right? Rejected, yes. Mm. So Martha, from your perspective, if, um, if you feel comfortable sharing, what aspects of your own childhood did you see repeating themselves in your parenting style before you said, oh my goodness, this is a generational pattern? Yeah, the, the the most obvious one is the way of communication, just like you said. Um, not not necessarily proper communication where you can talk to a child calm, but you are angry, you are just shouting, you are screaming, you know, and um, that is the first obvious one because that is all I knew. You could not sit down to a child as a person also with sense, as a person also with feelings and just make them understand why this is wrong or why this should not be done. You just scream, you know? And like I wrote in the book, you slap. You know, you just take your hand and slap whatever way backward or frontward, it doesn't matter, you know? Because that is also what we knew you know the slipping you you'll be thrown with anything you know i know i didn't go to that extent but still it was that slip uh, that actually came made me realize that you know what uh -uh, i am having the same pattern that i hated you know growing up or even just this thing of shaming the child, the person is already crying and you say, why are you crying? Look at you, you know? You are trying to kind of like shut down their feelings. You, you are trying to make them suppress their feelings. You are not supposed to cry. You are a man, things like that, to a boy child. Because we are basically projecting that, you know, a boy child must be strong, you know? You must not cry. If you are raising a, a crying boy child, you are raising a weak man, you know? And all these are actually uh, toxic uh, patterns that are coming from my childhood. And that was now a turning point for me to say, you know what? I hated these things happening to me. I hated these things happening to my brothers, to my siblings. And I see the effect of all these things in us. You know, we are more than 10 of us. It is 
obvious, you know, you can almost put your finger to what and what. No, this person, this brother, they used to say this and that when it comes to his career or his future. And this and that is actually happening exactly the way it has been spoken, you know? So it was a moment of me, you know, coming down to a moment of silence to actually realize that I am busy doing exactly the same thing, although I was in the Lord. So obviously I will think I will not do the extreme of, you know, physical abuse of, you know, maybe hitting until blood come out or, you know, tying to the rope or, you know, um, making them sleep outside. But I was still, you know, doing, uh, carrying some toxic behavior, although I thought ah, these are light, these are normal ones, you know. But when I woke up, I realized, no, they are not normal. And I need to deal with them. It's time to deal with, with them. And mind you, I can see the difference after this revelation. You see the difference in their confidence. You see the difference in their articulation, in their emotions. You see the difference. And you see, you know, the effect of your behavior in all of them. You know, and now thank God that you understand, you, you, you know, I have now to recorrect, you know, and, and the process of recorrecting, like they say, pre prevention is always better than cure. The process of curing is not, it's not always easy. Children are not able to process things properly. Hmm. Children see hmm. things as black and white they don't see the shades of gray in between they see hate and love they see abandonment they see fear you know and these are emotions that can become trapped in the child we need to remember that sometimes i don't want to say all the time you know people elders will say things because they want the best for you so they want you to be strong so they may say stop crying but the mm. shaming can have the opposite effect. So we need to remember that we are dealing with children. So let's talk mm. about some of the things that are actually said, because even at our ages, we remember what was said to us. You know, it's by the grace of God that you may be able to remember things without crying. But ask mm. yourself, why is it that you can be 50 years old and remember something that was said to you and still cry, right? Mm. I, I mm. can recall some of the things that were said to me, um, I was literally told that, you know, I was, I was a failure, you know, by the time I was 16, I would be a prostitute. Um, I was a source of embarrassment. You know, I, I was difficult to love. Now, these things being said under the age of 15, right? Between uh, 10 and 15. These are things that to this day, I have to work through. It's not that I think about those exact words that were said, because obviously mm. I successfully passed my twenties and my, <laughs> my mid twenties mm. and all these ages without becoming a prostitute. So I don't think to myself, Oh, I was told I was going to be a prostitute. I was told that I was an embarrassment. No, 
what those words caused were for me to believe that I was defective, that everything mm-hmm. was difficult for me. Everybody else was better than me. Um, I was unwanted. I was unattractive. And those thoughts, if you're not aware can shape your Mm. identity. So you find adults who are so successful, they have everything going for them. And they believe that, you know, if they don't work really hard and they don't achieve, they're not worthy because they were taught that their value came from performance. From work. From work. Mm, And then women, yes. And then women who were taught to value their beauty. You know, one sister is called ugly. The other sister is called beautiful. So one grows up valuing her beauty only. And as she grows up, she, you know, we get older. Now she becomes desperate to hold on to her youth because she thinks that's what she's worth, right? Um, You have Mm. the eating disorders. You have promiscuity, you know? You're Mm. led to believe that it's only your body that's that's valid right so Mm. these are things that we carry with us and they started somewhere so martha what are some of the things that you heard growing up or other people you know heard you know what what sort of things are we saying because you may not say the exact same words but you say similar because that's what you know right Mm. to your children Things like uh, body shaming, you know, you you are too fat. I, for for example, I I, I basically had to draw a line. Uh, sometimes even confront people with my daughter, um, because before this revelation, I will actually stand with people. Um, and 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 join with them to reprimand them to reprimand her in a certain way which i i eventually realized no this is toxic these people are not doing this because they love they want the best for my daughter they are basically destroying my daughter and if i have to join them you know so i had to actually come sometimes even rebuke people for calling my daughter fat oh you are so fat you are eating um uh is is the food that is making you too fat and 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 the child was you know you you realize she she started telling you um i think i yesterday i went to run and i lost weight i think i lost weight i think i lost weight you know so i had to actually come in and and talk to her on the benefit of losing weight, yes, is good, but it must not come from, you know, people, you know, it must not come from people because they are projecting this, you know, uh, image of you being fed. Then you have these things of uh, you are a prostitute. I remember I was not even, you know, I was not even a, a sexual active but you will be told, you know, you are in in Oshivambo, there's another word like, you know, I don't even want to mention it. You know, like that word that is used when you are going out with men, a lot of men, you know, and that is a word that you are told every day. You are that lady, you know, that is going out with men. And here you you know in your heart that, you know, I don't even know a man yet. And it is, it is kind of like... Um, uh degrading 
you know so those are some of the you know hateful hateful things and obviously the the, the thing of you are nothing you know i i know one of my brother was told you you never cross uh Oshivelo. you know kind of like you basically it's like you are a village person you know you never cross the border and i actually after writing this book i had to actually confront this person and tell her you know what no you have to withdraw that word that you have said to my brother and you have to to speak a blessing and the same person actually i remember telling her i never forgot you saying uh calling my 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 daughter and she said, you know, um, is like a person to say, this person, you are a, a person who is never happy. You are never happy, you know, a person that is always filled with sorrow. And and when I wrote this book, I was thinking of all these words as, as I begin to counsel and pray against and condemn all these spoken words. And, and I confronted this person. I said, no. You, you you actually called my child this name and I don't like it. So you are going to withdraw it and speak a blessing instead of that name, you know? Because imagine if you are you are called that name. It's, it's almost like, you know, uh, Jabez in the Bible, right? So the mother say, you are sorrow. So wherever you go, you go to school, you are sorrow. And you carry that identity and you carry that character. You go to the playground, and all of a sudden, there's just sorrow, there's chaos. And you convince yourself that I cannot even play with these kids because sooner or later, they will say, I am the trouble. I'm the one causing trouble because you carry that identity. Martha, this is so powerful. You're speaking of identity. This is what it is. A child's identity is formed at the youngest, youngest, youngest ages. And I think another thing that we need to be thinking about um, praying against really is the spirit of revenge, that desire to get someone back. So when you're dealing with an adult and that adult offends you, you know, you know, this is a, a mature person who likely knows what they're doing. Sometimes we do, we do things unknowingly, right? But if it's repetitive, and I've told you so many times, Martha, I don't like this, and you keep doing that. I know I'm dealing yeah. with an adult, you know, and my response is going to be an adult to adult response. But a lot of times, yeah. you know, children can be very triggering. The most patient person, <laughs> children will make you lose it. And a lot of times we speak to children as if they're adults. We yes. unleash anger on them like they are adults so even the words that you say to them you know you're sleeping around um you're a prostitute you're dumb you're stupid you're slow you'll never amount to anything you know you forget that these words are landing on somebody whose brain isn't yet developed enough to think no i'm not to filter yeah to mm. filter i'm not stupid you have an mm. issue you're an adult for you to be thinking I'm stupid, this isn't about me. No, as a child, you internalize it and it becomes your identity. So this is something that I think that we really, really need to remember, you know, because your child was um, naughty or, or they did something mm -hmm. wrong, 
you decide to ignore them for the whole day. The Mm. child is not taking that as the consequences of their actions. They're taking it that there's something wrong with me. I've been shut out. I've been abandoned. Where do I go for comfort? The same person who's supposed to comfort me is the same person who is breaking me, right? Mm. I have lots of little, you know, nephews and nieces. And, you know, in our African cultures, we have so many. And, you know, sometimes once in a while, these kids will just, you know, do things that (laughs) make me wonder, right? And I remember a few times when I reacted too strongly, right? Little kids, Mm. you know, and asking them logically, why are you doing this? I've told you so many times not to do this. And, you know, getting very, very upset. And, you know, I I took some time aside, you know, because I've become very self-aware. And I said, but why did you react like that? You realize these are kids. And when you were a child, How did you feel when that happened to you? Because Mm. that's exactly what happened to you. You were spoken to you, spoken to like you were an adult, right? Mm. The, the, the emotion behind the discipline was too strong for you to handle. So you didn't, you were not learning the lesson. You were just reacting to this earthquake of emotion coming from Mm. the adult. And it made me realize, no, no, no. I need to go back within myself and correct whatever it is. First of all, heal from what happened, but also realize that the only way to break a cycle is to stop it within yourself right now. Yes. So Martha, I know that, you know, especially as a Christian, you speak about forgiveness a lot. You speak about healing and, you know, overcoming the past so that it doesn't follow you into your future. Now, when it comes to extremely toxic and abusive backgrounds. Um, For a lot of people, these things don't end in childhood. There are a lot of grown people who are still part of very toxic family dynamics, extended family dynamics. They face conflict, they face rejection, they face the same things that they did as children. And, you know, psychologists often say that sometimes the best way to handle such situations is to cut contact with people who continue to abuse you so that you can heal, cut contact where you can or minimize contact as much as possible. um, If that's an option for you, what is your take on that? You know, constant communication or maintaining communication and forgiving and healing. Yeah. as, 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 As a Christian, obviously I am for forgiveness. Um, the the bible talks about 70 times 7 <laughs> so we can't finish the number of times we have to forgive a person but i also believe that uh, after constant communication because sometimes i i am only against um the fact of you cutting off people before you actually solve the issue because that's why you see people who for example, you say you left a place, maybe it's a workplace or it's a church or it's a family because um, Christine hurt you, but Christine was never made aware that, you know, you actually hurt me. You were never given a platform to actually um, present your side of a story. Maybe it was just a miscommunication. 
maybe it's just you know um something that you did in ignorance so i'm always of the opinion of uh to of of people to follow biblical standards of first going to the person making them aware and present them a chance as human beings also to correct themselves all right and 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 like the bible says when you win if you win that person over you win a brother or you win a sister but the bible also went on to say you know what there are times where you will not win them there are times where you they will never acknowledge that they hurt you you know they will even continue to make you feel that you are the one hurting them and the bible says then what do you do in that matter you treat them like unbelievers you treat them like sinners you know how do you treat a sinner through the grace of god yes i love you with that love of god but i don't have to be in communication with you i don't have to be in your space you don't have to be in my space i create boundaries for me so that we cannot continue to hate each other you know i do not continue to give you that chance to hate me uh, out of ignorance because you obviously cannot you are not acknowledging that i'm hurt by what you are doing so i have to put up you know healthy boundaries but at the back of my mind i still know that i'm treating you like a sinner so it means if if there are situations where i need to to be in your space you know i will greet you um i will offer you a chair if you want water i will offer you a cup of water but i don't need to be in communication with you i don't need to be in a friendship with you if you are a friend anymore you know so forgiveness does not mean um you reconciliation there are times where you have to forgive a person without basically restoring that friendship but as long as you know that when this person is mentioned you know i no longer have that desire for revenge i have given this person to god and i and, and i understand that vengeance belongs to god you know i no longer have a desire to see this to see bad things happen to this person when you hear something bad is happening to that person that hurt you what goes in in your heart do you have it in your heart to say oh god you know please heal her please protect her keep her take her out of this situation or do you rejoice and that is i think where now god comes in in the book of proverbs that to say that you know what do when your enemies are going through affliction do not rejoice because i can turn you know i can turn that affliction against you and and i always tell people you know you are healed when you wish good for your people i mean for the person that once hurt you you know without necessarily them being your friends again and sometimes also now these people are close to you they are your parents you know um they are your siblings so what happened when you need to to go for a family reunion do you stop going to your, to a family gathering because there is Martha with your cousin that hurt you and you just can't 
um, stands to be in the same gathering with her. So the, it's, 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 it's a challenge, especially the closer it gets. It's more easier, you know, dealing with people that are far away from us. But what happens when you are dealing with a person in your family, in your household? Because sometimes, even in churches, we have to encourage even separations. Some people, we have to encourage them to move out and, and go rent. But still, when they find healing, you find these same people, they can still go back to their parents, greet them, you know, uh, clean houses for them and go back. But now it's just that now they have the boundary, you know, they have removed themselves from that environment and they have put boundaries, okay? So you are no longer allowed to call me and say ABC, you know? And if, if you continue doing that, I'm not going to pick your call. If you continue doing that, I will not reply to your message. So then, or next time, if you want to send me a message, I want you to do it respectfully. So you, you give them clear boundaries. You also express the consequences of their, um, how can I say? You express the consequence of them continuing. If they continue, if you continue to violate these boundaries that I'm, I'm setting with you, then you, you consider that you are not going to get any reaction from me. You're not going to get a reply from me, you know? It actually takes more courage and bravery to try and find a solution. A, a lot of us were not taught how to manage conflict. And so, you know, it's one extreme to the other. It's either you overreact or you underreact. You just go quiet, you cut this person off, you know, you don't talk about it. And you rightfully said that sometimes people offend you without even knowing what they're doing. Mm. We're not saying that they're right for doing that. But just to summarize what you've said, Martha, what I'm getting from you is the first thing that you want to try and do is see if there's a possibility of mutual understanding and reconciliation. Um, you have to go in very realistic, though, because there are a lot of people mm. who will be offended, will be you know, defensive, will make you feel like you're crazy. That's gaslighting, where you make somebody doubt their reality and basically yes. call you a liar or just turn it into something yes. very explosive. So be prepared yes. for that. That's when now also, um, from a biblical perspective, that's where now it says, if uh, the two of you cannot come into mutual understanding, then you must call in witnesses. That's when now a witness come in. That's when now, if it's a family uh, level, you you bring in an aunt, you bring in an uncle, just to to hear, you know, both of you, a person who will not be subjective, you know. Mm. So it doesn't look like it's your own battle. A person that will also be able to say, you know what. No, but Martha, in this, you, I think you are also wrong here, you know? And this person is also wrong here. A person who will not be able to, who should not take sides, then you can bring that person. And I think, thank you very much for mentioning that, Martha. If it's possible, especially with very complicated situations, 
to have a neutral person there. Um, but of course, it depends on your family dynamic. You know, you have a lot of people who reach their 20s, 30s, 40s, and they want to confront an abuser, you know, somebody who molested them, raped them mm. when they were very mm. young. And they say, you know what, I need to get this off my chest. My older brother did this. My uncle did this to me. And sometimes you don't even get support from in the within the family, right? The family, you're fortunate yes. if you do. But uh, yes. thank you for sharing these um, these options with us. Um, but we just need to remember that your healing is your responsibility. You don't uh, you don't actually need somebody to apologize or validate to give you permission yes. to heal. It's wonderful. To heal. Yes, it's wonderful mm. if somebody can say, Martha, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. It, it means so much. But Martha still has the freedom to live her life even without that apology. That is where now I, I was saying, you, you find a person who say you have moved on. Maybe you left the church or you left your house, uh, your family home, you moved out. But you have not healed, you know. And it's clear in the decisions that you are making. You are making decisions of revenge. Um, you find people who say, you know what? I'll show them. Let me buy this car so that I can show them. Let me buy this house so that I can show them. So the decisions you are making, you are not making them for you. You are making them, you know, for your haters to see, you know, for that person that said you accomplished nothing. You are dumb. So let me go and study another master's so that they can just see me graduate again. So you 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 have basically not healed. Mm, like keeping a plaster over a very deep wound. Thank you for mm. that. So just to get back to some of your tips, the first one was to try and reconcile where and if possible. Um, Mm-hmm. Another thing that you were saying was it's important to establish boundaries. So we've been speaking about prophecy. What does your future self look like? What sort of life do you want to have spiritually, emotionally, physically? Yes. That's that's really going to help you to establish the boundaries um, that people should follow, you know, or observe or yes. respect to remain in your yes. life. So basically, what are your principles? What future do you want for yourself? Mm. Um, mm. It also brings to mind the Bible verse that says, be in the world, but not of the world. Mm. This is when mm. you said you treat them like sinners. So what I'm taking from that is, you know, you have empathy. You realize that mm. this person, this sin is basically you making a choice. You know, you've made a choice yes. to continue mm. to do what is wrong. So this is how mm. you dis- you detach yourself from this person's behavior and you say this person has made the choice to continue mm. to treat others in this way. The empathy mm. that I have is I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry that for the fact that they've missed out on beautiful relationships. They've missed out on knowing who I really am. That's their mm. choice, right? I don't have to mm. own it because a lot of times People have power over us because we own what they say. Yes. We take those seeds and then we even commit to watering and fertilizing them watering. every day, right? Oh so basically yes. what we're yes. saying is, this is who this person is. These are my boundaries. I'm really sorry that that's what they've chosen, but I'm not going to participate in this destructive, uh, toxic pattern anymore because I can see the bigger picture. As we come to an end, 
I would like you to just elaborate on how we can actually positively prophesy because we've spoken about how you can prophesy death. You know, if you're not speaking life into somebody, you're speaking death. Could you just tell us how can we replace curses? Because we don't even realize that we curse our children because a, a curse is the opposite of a blessing. If you've been speaking negatively and this becomes the, the child's identity, they're living it out, which is practically a curse. So how do mm-hmm. we um, do the opposite consciously mm-hmm. as parents intentionally mm-hmm. and deliberately? So basically the, the Bible talks about the content of your heart the abundance out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks and basically i am you know reciting that to say that you cannot speak blessings if curses dwells in your heart so you need the first thing that we need is a change of heart it's a change of spirit because if the spirit of Christ is living in us, then we'll be able to speak life. So a person cannot all of a sudden start speaking blessings because you only speak what is in you, you know? So we need to first acknowledge that, you know what? I need a clean heart. David says, Lord, create in me a clean heart, you know, a steadfast spirit. Because he realized that, you know what, if we are to bear anything, you know, to bear anything fruitful, if we are to to speak anything concerning the spirit of God, concerning the blessings of God, then it shall come from a clean heart. It shall come from a desire to see goodness on other people. It shall come from a desire to to realize the purpose of creation that you know what God mean, you know, blessings. If you follow Jewish culture, you know, they actually have sessions of blessing their children from the womb, from conception at birth. You know, here you see most of the time in the black community, in the black culture, we do not even have this revelation. You as a father, your child is born. You go and receive your child, you know, you are just there smiling. While that is the time for you to speak a blessing at the birth of your child. When your child is is going to matric high school, it's the chance for you to speak a blessing. When your child is getting married, it's a chance for you to speak a blessing. But now because of our hearts, our hearts are not right. Our hearts are not, you know, clean we cannot be intentional on blessings. So that's why you see a person, for example, a parent, your child is entering marriage, but you are not even sensitive to this season. And you are busy just fighting. You are busy, you know, concerned about, you know, meat. You are busy concerned about the robola. You are busy concerned about, you know, how big is the cow you are getting instead of, you know, recognizing the season that your child is entering. That's why some children, they they are entering marriages already with cases, you know? Cases are already spoken by their parents. 
cases that are already spoken by their caregivers. But this was a time for you to say, you know, I bless you. You are entering this marriage, you know, to be blessed. You are entering this marriage to last. You are entering this marriage to bear children that are going to be a blessing. You are entering this, you know, marriage to bring forth children that are going to change nations, children that are going to be at the forefront of industries, children that are going to be leaders. You are entering this marriage not to enjoy it, but to enjoy it, you know? So prophecy and, and, and the blessing, that has to be inspired by the spirit of God that is in you, you know? Like the Bible says, holy men of God were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write scriptures. So we cannot prophesy blessings if we do not have the inspiration of God. So if you have to be a blessing, if you have to speak a blessing, you have to be intentional, you have to plan for it, and it must take place. When you are sending them to school, what did you say? What is that word that is following them? When they are entering the marriage, what is that word that is following them? When they are entering that business, what is your word as a parent that is going to follow them? Nothing is to chance. Nothing must be left to chance. Thank you so much for that, Martha. And, you know, as you speak of blessings and curses and being intentional, I want us to just look at the two definitions. What is a curse? And here are some definitions. A curse is an offensive word or phrase used to express anger or annoyance and another definition says a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on something or someone so what is the intention behind Mm. what you are saying is it to correct or is it to curse whereas the definition of a blessing is god's favor and protection a prayer asking for divine favor and protection and grace Mm. said before or after a meal, right? So Mm. we speak these Mm. blessings because of the end result that we're praying for, divine protection, favor, and, you know, abundance, right? Martha, Mm. thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing. You are truly gifted and anointed. I do hope and pray that more people will read your book and more of us will have these very difficult conversations that need to be had. Could you just tell us how um, we can find out more about you, whether we can follow you on social media, especially if somebody wants to get in touch for a copy of your book, Every Parent is a Prophet. Thank you so much, Christine. It was really uh, amazing. And your questions are thought-provoking. People can follow me. I'm on Facebook as Martha Nginongelwa. Or they can reach me via my cell, 081-211-3561. I will uh, be able to direct you where to get a copy based on where you are. If you are outside Namibia, the book is also on Amazon. You just type in every parent is a prophet, Martha Nongelwa, you should be able to get a copy from Amazon. Thank you for joining us on the Purpose and Vision Mastery Podcast. 
Remember, purpose transforms everything. Oh, 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 oh